Welcome to the Family Law Now podcast. Today's topic is COVID-19, divorce and remote collaborative practice. Is this the new normal? As I was indicating before we started today, we have uh, slightly poor audio quality. We're recording this online. Usually we use professional equipment, so bear with us if the quality is not that good. We usually publish our Family Law Now podcast bi-weekly. But with events changing so quickly in the legal profession with COVID-19, we're doing it more frequently to get the information out to the public, to our clients, and to the profession so people can learn to adapt in changing times. Um, we're going to talk about the benefits of collaborative practice. We're going to talk specifically about doing it remotely. Uh, I got this idea from Adam. He was talking about some success he had the other day with uh, your team doing it remotely. And I thought it'd be a good idea just to get the word out there to let clients and lawyers know and, and family and other professionals that the world isn't ending. We can still settle our clients' cases. Um, lots of updates with respect to the court. Uh, speaking with one of my case management judges before it shut down, I was told to expect no court dates until after June. Um, only emergency matters are being heard via teleconference. There's a limited ability to file materials right now, so that our process server is reporting. There's reduced court hours. There's uncertainty as to what the definition of emergency means. This is a legal term that lawyers struggle with when deciding to bring emergency motions because often they get kicked back and judges will say it's not urgent. Some judges would be of the view a child needs to be getting on a plane before they would make an order. I think we're going to see that uh, definition loosen up. And I think also in June we're going to see a significant backlog. We've got all the cases that are in the system. And then we're gonna have cases um, that are in, in a holding pattern. We have some lawyers who've shuttered their offices and laid off staff. So they'll be getting fired back up again. Uh, so there'll be a real push to access the justice system. And it's probably, it was backlogged to begin with. Um, I think it's gonna be backlogged further. Just if I can stand on my soapbox for a few minutes, um, you know, I think there's lots of op options the court can implement immediately. Um, you know, online filing is being done in Texas and Colorado. There's, we're doing a digital conference today. There's no reason why the court can't conduct motions or case conference in a similar fashion. They can, they can use old school technology by picking up a phone and having a conference call. Um, we'll dive into a little bit more on a different podcast, but I think certainly there's room to make changes. Obviously, we're dealing with the government, things don't happen quickly, um, so I'm not optimistic that that's gonna happen. So let's just, for people who are not familiar with collaborative practice, I'm just gonna give a bit of an introduction for our listeners and business owners and family members who are watching us today. Uh, when we do things collaboratively, the professionals and especially the lawyers agree not to go to court. The parties enter into a contract, it's called a collaborative practice agreement. They agree to full disclosure of information uh, and they agree to follow the principles of collaborative practice that's defined in the contract. The lawyers and the professionals you see with us today have specialized collaborative practice training. If a settlement is not reached, um, usually the parties start over with a new set of lawyers and end up going to court. 
The focus throughout the process is on cooperation, disclosure, honesty, respect, communication, and the best interests of the children. So that's what we're talking about today. Ordinarily, these meetings would be held in boardrooms or conference rooms or meeting rooms at various locations. Adam and I just built a new boardroom at our office that holds about 16. Uh, it may be a thing of the past now that uh, we're moving into this digital era. So it shows you how quickly things can change. Uh, so I'm gonna be your host, I'm Russell Alexander. I'm a lawyer with collaborative practice training. I'm just gonna briefly call upon my guests and ask them to provide a brief description of their training, qualifications, where they practice, and how many collaborative practice cases they've worked on. So Carrie, let's start with you. Uh, well, I'm Carrie Heintzel. I am a financial professional. Um, I am a certified divorce financial analyst, and I'm recently now a certified divorce specialist. Um, I do the entire GTA. So wherever we're needed is where we go. That's what my company, Fairmore Family Law Financial Solutions, we're just all over the place. And I'm actually thinking that uh, doing video conferencing and being able to do things this way really expands our business models, which is an amazing thing to see. It's a new normal. How many cases have you worked on, Carrie, collaboratively? Oh, collaboratively? Oh, uh, well, I think at the minimum is 100. <laughs> Um, what, well, well over 100. And for people who don't know, what does a family neutral do? What's your role and what training do you have? Sorry, as, as, as a financial neutral? Yeah, sorry. Um, I, as a financial neutral, I am all about the money. So I'm making sure that disclosure is all put together the way it's supposed to be. I'm making sure that it is in a format that is acceptable no matter what process you're in. Um, preferably that you're in collaborative process, of course, uh, but I'm really making sure that we haven't missed anything and that there is a full understanding of where your financials sit. So many people in this process are really nervous about money, even more so right now with the current health crisis going on. Um, we have a lot of really worried clients about money, so we want to make sure that we're getting stuff where people feel good about the decisions that they're making. And in a traditional litigation file, the lawyers would prepare a brief, they would have competing briefs. You do one brief for the team. One brief, one brief only. Everybody is really singing from the same book. Um, take out the, the guesswork for everyone. Um, you know, multiple eyes looking at one thing is much easier than multiple eyes looking at multiple things. Right. Um, so we kind of make sure that everything is really succinct. We want to take complex and we want to make it simple. And you add the power of neutrality. So you don't have a dog in the fight. You're not advocating one position or the other. You're just presenting the data to the team. Exactly. That's exactly what we're doing. We're making sure that everybody is always on the same page. When we're in collaborative, especially when I'm working as a neutral, and I work as a neutral sometimes for the courts as well. My thing is, is what's best for the family? I'm not working for what's best for wife, what's best for husband. It is what is best for this family as a whole. That is my only focus. And it adds credibility to the data too. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Great no stuff. No guessing. Thank you, Carrie. Adam uh, Boyer, sometimes called Boy Wonder, who's a lawyer. <laughs> uh, Adam, tell us what you do, your training, and how many cases you've done. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I am a family lawyer with uh, Russell Alexander Family Lawyers, 
uh, I have completed the level one and the level two uh, collaborative uh, law uh, training. Uh, the training programs are, are quite lengthy. Uh, they go on for several days. And um, once you complete this, these training programs, you're then able to practice uh, by way of the collaborative law process. Uh, in terms of how many files uh, I have in terms of the collaborative process, I would say I have anywhere worked on anywhere between um, 10 and 15 collaborative files. Uh, it's still a, you know, a relatively growing um, way of law and we are certainly pushing and trying to um, steer our clients in this direction as we feel as if, um, I, I mean, I certainly feel as if the clients that I represent in this process are genuinely happier and um, more pleased with the outcome than if we hadn't gone through this process. You still act as a lawyer, giving legal advice and informing clients of options. Uh, uh, absolutely, we're still we're still you know um, lawyers, obviously giving the clients as much legal advice as, as possible. But the clients like the the option to to work together as a team, to work together with the other spouse. Um, obviously, there are some files where it doesn't work, but for the majority of files, uh, the spouses are able to work together and work towards some sort of a common goal, especially if there's children involved. You know, most of the time, their focus is on the children and what's in the best interest of the children. So they kind of put everything else behind them and, and focus on that. That's a great point. Every family I've had at our first meeting, when we talk about goals and interests, they always say the children first. And they're right off the bat, they're on the same page. So that's a great point. Right. Okay, we got Sherry Fiedler, clinical social worker. Sherry, tell us about your training and your your experience with collaborative practice? Right, so um, I have finished my level one and level two of collaborative uh, training. Um, and uh, I came to this role about a year ago. I have about eight, I've had about eight files so far. Um, and my role as a neutral family professional really is to help the team um, work uh, around the emotions that come up um, with separation. Um, it can be a difficult time for, for families, not just the, uh, the two adult parties, but also the children. So that's, um, that's my role in um, meeting with them. I meet with each party separately, um, doing an assessment. And then, um, and then oftentimes when there's children, it's my, my uh, part of my role is to complete a parenting plan with them. That's gonna help them to parent together I agree with Adam that oftentimes um, when there are younger children, parents, they're coming in with their focus of what's best for the children. Um, and I have found that definitely in the cases that I'm on. Um, uh, and then I support the whole team moving forward with, um, with any emotions that might come up as the negotiation process is happening. And there's sometimes communication guidelines we ask clients and even professionals to follow. Yes, for sure. I start every meeting off with guidelines around communication and how to be respectful yeah. uh, at the table. Yes, for sure. I find it funny. Usually the lawyers need to be reminded more than clients <laughs> oftentimes. You know, we're used to litigating and being positional and sometimes we need that family neutral to say, okay, guys or girls, time yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I find that sometimes during the meetings, things can get... Um, emotional, particularly on certain topics that are more difficult than others. And it's, um, 
it, it, I'm the sort of the rule that says, okay, let's take a break. Let's just yeah. step away. Um, kind of help. I help the parties get, you know, calmed a little bit and um, see other sides. And then we can come back to the table and continue the discussion. That's so important. Take the temperature of the room and mm -hmm. call, uh, you know, a short break. Short break. Uh, now, let's move that. We're just getting a little ahead of ourselves here. When we're doing this in a remote setting, uh, you know, it's easy when we're sitting in a boardroom and you can see somebody's got their arms crossed or they're going flush or, you know, they're pointing their fingers. When we're doing it remotely, how do you know when to call time? Do you still get those signals? Well, yesterday was the first remote that I was on. I was had some concerns about that for sure. Um, it was a very amicable couple that we were working with yesterday. So but it certainly was a concern uh, thinking about this because the topic had been broached through the week about this being a possibility so yesterday i didn't have that con like i didn't have that concern it didn't come up for me but i have a few other cases certainly that this is um that i'm wondering about you know mm -hmm. because what i find is that you can only see so much of the person and and you're only seeing what they're allowing you to see what they put on that screen right so you're right i may not see somebody with their arms crossed or body language is going to be a little bit more difficult for me to read yeah. i have talked to other uh, social workers who do a lot of skype and zoom collaborative meetings with uh via for northern communities oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so because uh, they can't access the service up there and they report to me they've had great success okay. um yeah so with, right, with that being with that being said russ um something that we did talk about uh with the team prior to the meeting uh, commencing yesterday was the fact that there is capability on on these kind of calls to have private conversations and private um you know um group um you know discussions like a uh, breakout chat room or something yes correct there is there is the possibility to to kind of isolate the group speak to one person at a time speak to two people at a time whatever it is and then we can kind of regroup back again with with the entire team so there is that option uh, like we would do normally on any kind of collaborative file to have a breakout room you know and then let people either cool down or have discussions with with anybody we need to talk to that's so important, Adam. That's a great tip because we'll take a break and then usually if it's heated or it's going sideways on us, the professionals will caucus uh, before we bring the clients in. And it's like, what the hell just happened there, you know? <laughs> and try to and try to you know get people back on the agenda, keep the train running on time. So no, that's a great yeah. tip. Yeah. So let, we got a couple things I want to flesh out for our listeners. Um, First of all, let's just start with, you know, the basics. What platforms are you guys using? How are you connecting remotely? Uh, you want to start, Carrie? Sure. So the main platforms I'm using are Zoom, uh, which is a phenomenal platform. It, it really is made for business. We're using uh, that to record today's call. Yeah, and it's it's fantastic. It does have the capabilities of breakout rooms. It has the capability of being able to have private chats while you're um, like typing chats, like not just verbal chats, but you, there's all these different capabilities within the program. So it makes it really conducive for a business meeting. Absolutely hands down the best. Uh, Skype is great as well. Um, not as many capabilities as Zoom, but still a great format. And you know what, uh, FaceTime. Yeah. The, 
everybody's iPhone has a FaceTime, a little bit more numbered in the number of users that you can have at once, um, but still a great source. Uh, a lot of people have it. Biggest drawback is if you don't have an iPhone, you can't use it. Right. And all these basic entry programs are free too. So it's not costing mm -hmm. you anything in terms of technology. You're not, uh, it, it, you, most people have a, a computer of some sort or an iPad or a smartphone. Uh, or if they don't, they have a family member that they can access one for for the meeting. How about you, uh, Adam, in terms of platforms, what do you like? Yeah, so so far, the only two um, platforms that I've used are Zoom, obviously, with our, our meeting yesterday, which I found worked uh, tremendously. There were no issues with any kind of audio or video. Everybody seemed to be satisfied with it, yeah, including the clients. A, that was, okay, that's great, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is obviously the most important thing. Um, yeah, the clients were, were very happy with how it went. They wanted to kind of move this matter forward. They didn't want to have to wait, you know, another couple of weeks or whatever it's going to be to meet again. Um, there was a bit of urgency, but but not so much in terms of the issues. They just simply wanted to, you know, move forward with the, with the with their matter. And when we, as a team, discussed this a few days ago, um, I think we were all a little bit skeptical about how it would work, but uh, we're all... I think I could speak for everybody happy with how it went. Mm -hmm. The clients are happy that they don't have to wait, you know, another month or two to meet in person. And uh, I have no complaints with how it went. The only other thing that I would uh, use uh, right now that I've used is, is, you know, just regular phone calls. I've had conversations with other lawyers and clients um, over the phone uh, and the clients are happy that we're still able to reach out to them. Yeah. Even though, something, um, something about video, you know, being able to see people, I think you feel more connected. I, I know with our staff meetings, we're running daily staff meetings by Zoom. And yep. you know, just to be able to see people, I think is, uh, you know, important. Yeah. I think particularly for my role too, especially exactly. as a field yeah. professional. Like if, if I, I'm gonna see more than I'm gonna hear. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. And Carrie, you have any other platforms or are you mainly Zoom and Skype as well? Uh, mainly using mainly using Zoom, um, Zoom, Zoom particularly. The other thing is is that we do have a teleconferencing facility within our um, within our company, yeah, um, and it's been great. But I agree, this being able to see people and really connecting on a different level, especially with all of this social distancing. You know, we're uh, we're so removed from each other that I think this adds just an extra layer of connectivity to all of us so that we're just feeling a little less isolated and maybe a little bit more together as a group. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. Sherry, any other platforms? You... Nope, just Zoom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know Google Hangouts. Uh, I've heard great things about that. I haven't used it yet. And I know there's two or three other platforms. So uh, we don't own stock in Zoom. We're just saying this <laughs> happens to work for us. <laughs> Um, and they're not a, they're not a sponsor as of yet. Yeah. No, not as of yet. <laughs> but if you go to their website, they also have you know great little videos and tips on how to connect. Um, you know, our staff at our firm, we were having problems with feedback and um, and people connecting. And I found uh, an article just you know in terms of that specifically addressed that. And we had I think a 15 or 16 person staff meeting via Zoom that went great yesterday. Everybody can hear each other and it was just seamless. Um, on another side note, on one side note, um, my daughter's uh, kindergarten class actually had a Zoom um, play date today with 20 different kids. So they well, were all awesome. on the iPad together. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. 
She must have liked them connecting with her friends. Yeah, all 20 kids talking at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> now that sounds like a collaborative meeting. Exactly. <laughs> it is a collaborative exactly. meeting. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's move to our next topic. Uh, tips or things that you think we can do to improve remote collaborative practice uh, conferences. Let's start with uh, Carrie down in the corner there. Cherry? Carrie. Me? Yeah. Oh, you want me to start? Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, actually, you know, it was funny because I made a list, to be perfectly honest. Um, Red sheet? No less? I, 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 I did. I made a cheat list. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something that, because it really started me thinking about what we could have done, especially yesterday, to improve the meeting. And I think one of the things that we want to do before we even set up a, a Zoom meeting or Skype or whatever platform you're using is we really need as a team to triage the viability of doing the meeting with the family. Right. Is this a family that is um, is is really going to, to benefit from this, or are we are we pushing something that we shouldn't be pushing? Is it's going to cause more problems for them? So I think we really need to look at viability. No, an important, an important issue that raises, um, you know, if you're self-isolating or staying at home, are the spouses in the same home or are they in separate homes? I don't know if it'd work if they're, you know, in two different yeah. corners of the living room, you mm. know, kind of giving each other the uh, dirty eyeball or something. They could they could use the same box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Carrie, can I can I add to that piece um, yeah. that made me think? Because um, I, I agree with you in that. In that, also the other piece is is if it, uh, our schools are closed right now, our daycares are closed. There's no programs for children, so people have their children at home, mm -hmm. which is n children should not be a part of this process at all. So then it you becomes yes, exactly. So then where are where do these children go? Like because if we're if we're isolating at home we may not even be sending our children off to their grandparents house because they're elderly and we don't know what contact so this is another thing i, I agree with you to be thinking that's a great point yeah. is it and a you know, fit for that family and these movie these meetings can last two three hours so these kids are going to want to get a new movie on tv or get something yeah. to eat you know yeah. that's, that's when you take a break to switch the movie out yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. No, that's a great, great tip, Carrie. Any, I think, what else do you have on your list? I had one of the things that we should also do is part of the professionals call before we're having the um, clients join us is we really need to assign who the facilitator is going to be. Like our call right now, we have Russell, your facilitator, so that it keeps things running quite smoothly. And I think it's making sure that we understand who's going to be our facilitator and right. who's taking notes. Yeah. Like those those responsibilities don't go away simply because we're doing this via video. There is an interesting feature though. You can record um, the Zoom meeting. So if somebody's agreed to take notes, they don't actually need to get distracted. They can watch the recording and, and do some minutes afterwards. So that's yeah. an added bonus. That's a huge added bonus. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, some of the other things that I had in here was, um, I think people need to be aware of their backgrounds and their surroundings. Right. Um, so, you know, if you have, I know that I have a uh, bright window behind me, 
um, but it's about making your position yourself so that people can actually see if it's really, really light behind you, you're coming across really, really dark. I'm so, coming across dark? No, 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 you're okay. okay. <laughs> I'm I thought just I was coming that. across angelic with the sun hitting me, but maybe not. <laughs> yes, you, 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 we, we all have a halo behind us. <laughs> um, but that's something to keep in mind. Like Sherry just said, when we have kids, um, if they're in the home, you know, whether it be ours or our clients, you know, making sure that they're kind of tucked away while we have these calls. Um, for me, I know it's my pet. Um, I have a German Shepherd who likes to show her little face like right now. Um, <laughs> so she doesn't realize all the time that she's not really wanted right. <laughs> in a meeting. So, but also personal items that you may have in the background. Like Sherry, I know you have your degrees on the wall. I think that's great. But some of us may have family pictures or other sensitive information in the background right. that I think we really need to be aware of when we're doing these things. Because right now I'm in my home, I'm not in my office, and a lot of us right now are doing things from our homes. Right, right. Great tips. Uh, Adam, what tips do you have? Or um, what do you think we can improve? That's sorry, our, our topic right now. Yeah, so I was just thinking about, um, you know, speaking um it's it's a lot easier to have a, a, a meeting in person and, and know when somebody wants to say something or when somebody is about to finish right uh when we're speaking over you know uh, a conference like this a video conference we don't know when somebody's about to speak uh, we don't know when they're going to be finished so it's it's a lot easier to speak over somebody over uh you know a telephone a video conference uh, so all I would say is just simply, you know, do your best to try not to speak over anybody. Um, let let the other person finish their thoughts. And then once they're finished, you know, it's possible that two other people will jump in at the same time. But, uh, but you know, it's still kind of a, a new thing that we're all getting used to. And so I think it'll just take a little bit of time for us to get used to, you know, how things work and, and who's going to speak when kind of thing. Right. I think manners and etiquette are heightened, right? You really do need to listen and let people finish. Uh, before you jump in when you're doing it online. Otherwise, it's just going to be a bunch of white noise and nobody will yeah. be able to understand anything. No, that's a great tip, Adam. Thanks for sharing. Sherry? Uh, well, can I just go a little bit on that? That typically that would be the role of the family professional to start a meeting doing that. So probably the family professional needs to continue doing that even, even on, um, on these conferences. Um, and the other thing was that um, Typically at a meeting when the we meet as professionals for the first bit and then clients come in and they're often put into separate rooms and it's my job to go in and speak with them each separately to see how they're doing. Um, manage any emotions that are up about coming to a meeting, particularly a first meeting where they they really have not been in this situation before and then to come back and discuss it with the team. Um, so yesterday. Um, not having that ability to do that doing zoom i pre-called the clients ahead of time about half an hour and spoke to each of them separately to do that check-in and i think that's uh, an important um piece for family professionals to be, be doing as well that's um, a great we, can, we, we can still do that we just yeah. have to we do it over the phone instead yeah great tip thanks for sharing i think my tip would be remember this is a, a professional service that we're providing uh, and we're professionals. I think we should dress that way. 
even though you may be at home or you may be in your basement or you may be caring for your children, um, we should go into this uh, dressed and ready to present as professionals. Uh, we've had meetings uh, where people show up with track pants or uh, uh, you know, a five-day beard or disheveled. Um, I'm not picking on you, Adam. <laughs> but, you know, put on a nice blouse, maybe put on a shirt and tie, uh, and treat it with the decorum and the respect that it deserves. These families are paying us a lot of money to resolve their problems. They don't want their lawyers showing up with a concert shirt from 1984. Uh, disheveled with bedhead. Uh, that's gonna. That's not gonna give a lot of credibility to the message. So, uh, my message is: remind. Just remember, you're providing a professional service. Dress accordingly. I would expect the same from the clients uh, to uh, be dressed. You know, business casual. Um, and I also think that it puts everybody into the right mindset in terms of what we're doing with the meeting. So that would be my tip. Um, so let's talk about some examples of things that have worked well with remote collaborative practice, uh, which is, uh, in my view, the new normal for the next two to three months. You want to start us off, Carrie? Um, I, I think what works really well is that it does allow for the clients to be at a distance. Like, and, and what I'm saying at a distance, I mean not only with the social uh, distancing, but also they can be anywhere. Um, and I think this is something that we can really take forward even after this is over, if we have clients that travel a lot or have different requirements for their employment, where we're not having to put off a meeting for, for two or three months because of somebody's travel schedule, that if they're willing to, they can be brought in this way. And I think it's a great form for that. Right. And I think that's something that uh, will survive um, this crisis and so what I'm saying is when things are back to normal and offices are open and we're no longer social distancing people may want to keep this format I know a lawyer who works in Houston Texas he's right downtown and his clients prefer to remote in or call in because it's a couple hours in traffic's bad they got to pay for parking they're blowing off a day to come in for a one or two hour meeting you know many people who come to Toronto or in and out of Toronto experience the same thing. So if you can do this remotely, uh, it saves that headache. There's no reason why this can't continue after uh, COVID-19 subsides. I agree with you completely. Yeah, I agree, especially especially with a with a file like we had this week, where the clients were really anxious to move forward. Right. They didn't want to have to wait, you know, God knows how long, till we can get back together. Uh, it provided an opportunity for everybody to get down and, and finalize this file, which right. everyone was, which everyone was, you know, happy with. And you're providing, uh, you're providing a great service. You're just doing it remotely. Right. Any other tips, Adam, for um... just to, just to be flexible? Um, you know, things that are working well. You know, like what you what you like about the remoteness. Yeah, no, I was just saying, you know, just for everyone to be as flexible as possible, right? So. You know, if, if the client is not um, fully on board with this with this approach, um, you know, to provide them with you know these stories that these success stories that you know it's possible that these you know we can do this by way of you know a Zoom meeting or a Skype meeting or whatnot, um, and really to have this this groundwork that um, you know while 
you may not find it ideal that we can't do this in person. It's always possible that we can do it and um, we're willing to be flexible and work around, you know, any circumstances that may arise, whether that be travel, whether that be virus or what, whatever, that, whatever that circumstance may be. Right. Great stuff. Uh, Sherry, things that are working well from your experience so far? Well, I didn't have to um, use this yesterday, but I liked the idea because when this was first broached, I think I said earlier that I was concerned about what would happen if there was a high conflict or something happened during the meeting where typically I would take that person and leave the room. But Zoom has that capability to be able for the, um, the person running the uh, meeting to be able to put me into just a separate area with the, one of the clients or the client and their lawyer in order to sort of help mitigate those emotions that are coming up and causing some disruption in the meeting. So I do like that idea. Um, and I think it, it certainly makes this much more of a possibility. Right. From my, from, from my role anyways. We, all, we also were able to utilize um, the fact that all the professionals met for half an hour before the clients. Mm -hmm. The clients then simply seamlessly came into the meeting. Yeah. We conducted the meeting. The clients left when the meeting was over. And the professionals stayed behind and continued with the conference and discussed, you know, with the, the pros and the, the pros and cons. Yep. yep, we had our we had our brief afterwards. We discussed, you know, who was going to draft the agreements, you know, next steps. And it was a seamless transition whereby the clients came, the clients left, and we all continued on. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, a couple tips, a couple things that I think are working well. I've hosted some of these meetings. The host has some powers that other people don't. We can mute everybody and we can <laughs> unmute them. Uh, so earlier this week, we were doing staff meetings and um, you know somebody would be on their phone and wouldn't know what button to push. And the host can do that. We can unmute the devices um, or mute them. So it gives you an element of control that uh, is sometimes helpful in collaborative practice, especially if somebody's not good with technology, right? We have our older clients, you know, we can activate their mics, we can activate their video, so they're not, you know, fiddling through it. So it gives, you know, that, that aspect is really good. The other thing I found uh, excellent is this week is scheduling. Usually when we yeah. schedule a collaborative meeting, it's a big deal. We need to get the boardroom booked. We need to get everybody's schedules to line up. We usually, uh, prepare the boardroom with snacks and, and equipment. Uh, so we have a whole checklist that we go through to run a collaborative meeting. I found with professionals this week and probably for the next couple of weeks, you know, the emails are slowed down. Some professionals have shuttered their offices or have uh, isolated. Uh, so there's more time that we have. Uh, so our schedules are opening up. So if we can sneak an hour in here or there, zoom it in you know i think you know it's really timely and very easy for people to agree on um agree on dates and times when uh, the technology is so seamless you're not driving to the other's lawyer's office for an hour you're not uh you know spending an entire day you know that collaborative meeting is going to be two three hours it's not going to be a, a six hour day so i think people have been very easy to adapt so uh, any closing tips? Uh, we're going to start off with tips for clients, what we should be telling our clients, things that we've learned, things that are going to help them do this remotely. Uh, Carrie, you want to start? 
Uh, I think tips for the clients, make sure you're on the call on time. Um, you don't want to be keeping everybody waiting. Um, you're a little I think, bit early. You can just sit there and. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a big one. Uh, and uh, turn off your cell phones. And that goes for professionals as well. Make sure your right. cell phones are off. <laughs> um, seems obvious, but I, it's one of those things where not everybody may be used to that. Right. So, Adam, tips for clients? The, the, the one thing I would say to clients is this. It's such an uncertain time right now. And the feeling that, you know, you know if, if you're ready to move on with your separation, um, the feeling that you may not be able to move on um, would be even more uncertain. And this process allows the client to actually move forward and get some sort of a resolution or, or move towards a resolution. So all I would say is, you know, it's, it's such a time, it's a time when, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but with this um, technology and this option that, you know, a lot of us are willing to, to move to, to attempt and, and use um, there is the possibility to move your, your matter forward and not just sit around and wait for, wait for months and months for things to, to get back to normal. Uh, there, this isn't something that, that clients have to be worried about. We are willing to be flexible and move forward. And we've, we were tracking uh, data earlier this week that divorce rates in China are spiking because people have been quarantined or living together and can't stand their spouse anymore. Uh, yes. This is, this is a forum that's open for you. You know, you don't need to wait until June, until the courts open up and then potentially a 12 month backlog before you have a right. hearing. You can resolve your disputes online right now. And there's professionals like us and we all belong to collaborative practice groups that uh, have professionals that you can easily do this with. Sherry, tips for clients? Um, very similar to what I would do if we were in, in together in the room together. It's just remember to keep breathing. I know they'd be sitting by themselves in a room, but just keep right. breathing and speak up if they feel agitated or need to take a break. Um, yeah, I often, when I meet with clients the first time, I will ask them, you know, how will I know that you need a break? I mean, you may not feel like you can speak up. What's a signal? Like we kind of set something up like that. And same, it would say it worked the same way. Yep. Um, yeah, stuff. I, yeah. I've got my little list too, because I want to compete with Carrie, but I typed <laughs> it up. I didn't chicken scratch it out. This is actually on our website. It's going to be part of the show notes for today's podcast. And it'll be attached to our YouTube video. I'll just go through some of the, the more common ones. Um, find a quiet space with a uh, little background noise. If you got kids at home, go to the attic or the basement. Try to have a quiet space. Uh, avoid talking over to each other. Sometimes it's an idea to raise your hand if you want to be called on. Um, avoid doing other tasks. Uh, checking emails, looking at your phone. Um, try to stay focused on the call and the meeting and everybody attending. Um, have a clean and appropriate area where you're making your call. Look into the camera when you're speaking is another good tip. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit this morning. Try to have the light in front of you so we can see your face. If the light's behind you, it's going to cast a shadow. Um, if you're typing or making notes, uh, to try to do it quietly because the audio is going to pick up unless you've been muted out. And the other tip I'd have is there's a chat feature that you can use 
within this forum. So if you want to send links or documents or information to the team, you can share it easily uh, through Zoom. So those are some tips. Uh, I'm going to share that with the group and make it available through this podcast. How about uh, closing tips for professionals? So we've got our clients tips. I think we can all agree these apply to professionals as well. Right. Uh, more so because we need to show leadership and provide an example as to how these meetings can run effectively. Uh, but let's get some more tips if you have any. Carrie, you want to start? Yeah, I think there's a couple that I had. Um, one of them being, don't forget about breaks. Right. You know, sometimes our meetings, when we're face-to-face, can go anywhere from two to four hours. Um, you know, everybody's going to need a bio break at some point. So I think it's really important that we have that built into our program that we are going to tell breaks and take some breaks and letting the clients know that meaning that we may get up away from the actual video chat. We can keep right. it running, but we're going to walk away from it. I think that's something. That's, um, that's a bit of a pet peeve of mine. I try to run meetings for about two hours. Yeah. Uh, I often get uh, lassoed into teams that somehow think we're going to solve every problem in one day and want to run a four or five, six hour meeting. I think that's unfair to the client because, you know, we deal with this every day. We know the language. We know, we know the data that we're receiving. We know what a support calculation is. We know what a net family property statement is. Uh, so it's easy for us to go to the pages that matter. Uh, we know what a parenting plan looks like. Again, uh, so it's easy for us to try to understand you're unloading these documents on uh, lay people or people who didn't go to professional schools. And you're asking them to understand a 10 page net family property statement in two, three minutes and then move on to the next topic. That's overwhelming. You know, people shut down. And I see this at court. When we used to have court sitting, we would have a case conference. I would think it went great. We would great recommendations. We literally step out of the courtroom and the client says, what just happened in there? You know, has no idea. So I think we need to be mindful that in this setting, your, your tip carry is great. Take the breaks. These clients can only process so much information. Uh, they may feel pressured into agreeing things simply because of the pace of the professionals. But we've got to be mindful that we've got to bring everybody up to that pace. So that's a great tip. What else do you have for us, Carrie? Um, making sure there's an agenda. Just because we're doing this via um, Zoom or a teleconference, we still need to have that agenda in exactly place. Exactly right, yeah. And set timeframes. Absolutely. Excellent tip. Want to keep the train running on time, right? Yeah, exactly. Always, we get, you know, yeah. it's no different than any other meeting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it works, right? Um, I had uh, before... Uh, all the craziness with COVID-19, I had a four-way meeting and uh, I, I was thinking, how am I going to have a four-way meeting? I haven't done one of these forever. So I did what we do collaboratively, right? We had an agenda, we talked about goals and interests, the format works and it works for a reason. Um, Adam, tips with professionals? Yeah, what I would say is, as you know, as discussed already, make sure there's a facil facilitator to kind of lead the meeting. Uh, and if things get off, you know, off track to bring it back and you know, refocus the clients and the professionals as well. So that's always important. Right. Uh, and also, as, as you had mentioned, Russ, instead of simply implementing, you know, 
breaks for the meeting, uh, if you realize that you're going to need it, you know, implement a stop time. Uh, so say, you know, this meeting is going to start at 10 and it'll end at noon. And, right. you know, anything that we haven't gotten to by noon, we'll, we'll, you know, bring up at the next meeting. We don't want to overload the clients with all the information, as you had discussed, because as, as we know, it's a lot of information for the clients to, to take in. And, and just on that, point, that, Adam, that that was easy to do before, right? Because we would have another client waiting or we'd have a court date or another collaborative meeting. So that's a really great point. You know, just because we're doing it Zoom and our schedules are a little bit more flexible, stick right. to the stop time. Right. Yeah, th those are the two things that I would add, just to have the stop time and make sure you have a, a facilitator yeah. to, to bring the meeting back in. Thank you, Adam. Sherry, tips for professionals? The only thing I can think of is that this is a, a different format than what um, professionals are used to in that we're used to having um, our clients right with us. And so when anything is new, it's important that we are keeping ourselves grounded, that we take that breath as much as I'm telling clients, take a breath, you know, <laughs> I think we have to remember to do that same thing because we may see our client on the screen and can see something's going on for them. And we're not right there, right? We're not there to, to actually put our hand out or say something to them, you know? So I think it's important that we're all doing that in the room. We're all trying to stay grounded. Yeah, and help the professionals out too, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. We're a team, we need to provide, uh, ideally not necessarily a united front, but a front that keeps the adversarialness out of the process. Exactly. And focusing on the client's goals and interests. Yeah and knowing that this is a fairly new platform for everybody. Right, and everybody's a little bit nervous with the technology, they're nervous with COVID-19, they're nervous yeah. with the family. Yep. Uh, they're extremely upset and nervous that they're going through the process of divorce. Uh, so we've got to remember as professionals, we need to show some leadership and this is, I think, a calming force for them, knowing that they connect with people and can see them and can have a civil discourse. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're going to bring this train into the station and wrap this up. This has been a fantastic podcast. Uh, in terms of concluding remarks, or we're going to tie these two points in together, the concluding remarks and or what you see the future of collaborative practice, uh, you know, in the near future until the courts get up and running again and beyond. Carrie, you want to um, take a shot at that lob ball? Sure. Um, I think there's a couple things here. I think this uh, opens up new avenues for all of us um, now and into the future. I don't think that this is we're going to see um, this type of meeting format as just something while we're going through this crisis. I think the other side of it is I'm really hopeful that this shows everyone that you don't need to be going to court, that you can resolve this, that we are all here. And a court closure doesn't mean that your matter is closed. It means that we can all be working for you in the background without you having to go to court. You can have a better resolution this way. That's exactly right. You know, just because the court shut down doesn't mean we can't resolve your matter. Exactly. Uh, Absolutely. You know, and people need to remember that. Adam, uh, concluding remarks, future yeah. predictions? Uh, I think that once everything gets back to normal, we're going to see some sort of a hybrid model. Uh, I don't think we're going to continue with Zoom, you know, permanently. 
um, without you know any you know face-to-face -face interaction. Nor do I think that um, in-person meetings is going to be the only option moving forward. I think there's going to be some flexibility and some sort of a hybrid whereby, you know, uh, we'll kind of take the the party's temperatures to see you know where we want to go. Do we think we should meet uh, all together? Do we think that we can you know do this over you know a Zoom conference call, right. a video call? Um, really have the option in the, in our back pocket to to say you know what everyone's pretty busy the next couple of weeks. Let's take an hour or two and just simply have a Zoom call. Yeah. Or you know you know everyone's available you know this coming Friday. Why don't we meet at your office? You know, it's just going to be kind of something that you know on a case by case basis will will be discussed in my opinion. Just on that note, even if things do get back to normal, instead of doing- If, I'm, I'm hoping more than if. Well, <laughs> sorry. Uh, instead of doing our traditional professionals call, maybe we can do a Zoom call. It's, it's much right. more connected. Mm -hmm. I agree. And just agree. Make, that, make that the yeah. new normal. Yeah. Especially if you people. haven't worked, especially if you haven't worked with the professional before, I think right. that's a great idea. Right. Yeah. You know, everybody's got their guard up when they're into a new team and each team's different, right? Some personalities are a little yep. stronger than others, and you know everybody has sort of their own style. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, Jerry, um, predictions and concluding remarks? Um, not really much anything different than what anybody else is saying, in that I think this is really opening up um, a new, a lot of potential for new ways to do this kind of work. Um, and uh, I was, I think, as I said, I was a bit skeptical at first at the beginning of the week when I was hearing about it, just from where my role, the part that my role plays. But um, yesterday was was great, and and even this conversation today even gives me more hope that I, I think this this can work for sure. Great stuff. Thank you for sharing. Um, so listen, guys, we're gonna wrap this up. I want to thank everybody. I texted Adam late last night because he had mentioned earlier in the day about the success of your meeting, I thought, you know, this is great information we can get out to the public. So we've turned this around in less than 24 hours. Uh, I know your meeting was yesterday. So really appreciate everybody sharing your thoughts and advice. We wanna thank our listeners for joining us today. We're gonna to have some show notes where you can get some of the information that we talked about during this podcast. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, please share it with your friends, colleagues, and have a safe, Day. Look for us in the future. We're going to have more podcasts coming out. Uh, we're going to be looking at um, COVID-19 and access uh, issues and a whole bunch of other stuff. So stay tuned and look for us online. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.